Greetings, and welcome to Beatles Stuffology, where two old friends sit about and talk BS, Beatles stuff, on a track-by-track -track basis, pretty much for the sake of it. This episode is brought to you by obligation and necessity. My name is JT McQuarrie, and I'm here with my co-host, Andrew Deacon. Say hi, Andrew. Hello. How are you doing? Oh, I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. I'm looking forward to talking about this one. Okay, good. Um, yeah, because, I mean... I, I can't imagine that what we're going to say is, is is that much different of the last couple of episodes where it's been a case of, yeah, it's all right. Um, but it, th there are ways in which this one um, evokes something in me. That sounds far too worrying. Um, <laughs> That's a deeply yeah. concerning start to the it's, episode. Yeah. So, so we're talking about Babies in Black today. And it's 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 one of those, those songs, it's... A, a, I believe I'm trying to remember what we um, what we were saying about uh, I'm a loser. Um, it feels like a long time ago now when we recorded that episode, but I, I, I get a feeling we were saying that actually if you just listen to it as a song and don't look into it too much, then then actually it's it's really really good. And, and we could say something similar about elements of this. And if you put it under the microscope a little too closely, then perhaps you might start to see things that could. Um, could could ruin some of, of of your enjoyment of it, and and I think it is one of those songs that immediately strikes you. And and when because you know full disclosure, Beatles for Sale is not an album I've listened to an awful lot in the last insert number of years. Here, it is though one of perhaps three songs that I sort of think of when I think of this this album and. Um, you know, every little thing um, is is another one. And if I'm feeling in a good mood, um, I might say eight days a week. But if I'm feeling in a bad mood, I might say Mr. Moonlight. Um, but we did get through the whole of the last episode without mentioning Mr. Moonlight. So that's it. That's my last mention for today. How about you? What do you think about this? Um, I, I like it. I, I really like this song. I have no specific association with it beyond it being on the album but i just really like it, it it's it's got that six eight time signature which is is really nice it, it helps to freshen the album up quite a lot i think um both the first two songs are pretty uh downward gazing shall we say <laughs> um, i'm trying to think of, trying not to take off things on the on the stuffology bingo card here uh yeah but they're, they're they're not the most cheerfully optimistic songs in the world but this feels even though lyrically it's still in that direction musically just giving it that kind of um sort of bit of waltz time or whatever really helps to feel uh, really sorry rather really helps to push the album in a in a a nice direction and and just just keeps the momentum going, freshens the whole thing up. And I really like it. I, I realise that's not a, a massively insightful observation, but it's just, it, it is what it is. But what it is, is great. What's interesting there is, is that actually lyrically, the theme is pretty much bang on with the first two songs. Absolutely. But you don't think it is because of the way it's harmonised and because of the melody that comes with it. I think of her, but she thinks only of him. And though it's only a whim, she thinks of him. I, I love how we've got, effectively, we've got her, him, him, him. Um, even though the second him is within whim, it's it's just fantastic. Um, so it, it's still that sort of sad sap type lyric and, you know, why doesn't she love me, oh, girls? Um, but but you, you don't think of it in that way because there's there's something else that that seems to I think 
work here. But, you know, when I first bought this, it was um, at a time when I was buying quite a lot of secondhand records, you know, sort of late teens, maybe. And, and um, you know, it was, it was sort of really before CDs were taking off. So I was actually um, spending a lot of time in Beano's in, in Croydon, um, massive secondhand record shop, and, and always sort of on the lookout for um, for new things to listen to. And I had quite a few Beatles records at that point. But I came to Beatles for sale quite late. Um, and it was the, the days when you just go into a record shop and you just look at the records and you'd sort of think, well, should I buy this? Oh, not really sure. And you'd pour over the... Um, um, the track listing. I think I was reluctant to buy it first because the cassettes were, were quite cheap and the packaging had, I didn't know it at the time, none of the original elements in. Effectively, it was those those sort of, um, you know, picture in the middle with the brownie gold mm. kind of top and bottom. Um, and then you open it up and it had the track listing inside. But I don't seem to remember it had anything else um, in it. I didn't know until quite recently the Beatles for Sale had a gatefold sleeve, for example. Um, you know, but it, I suppose it was only really when when Pepper was released on CD that I became a little bit more interested in how the Beatles records looked um, as well as sounded. And at that point, I, I went back and I bought a few of the others on vinyl, but noticeably not Beatles for sale and not with the Beatles, because I think in terms of titles, there's, there's a bit of a cheat really in just having the name of the band in the title I put that that one. That's what I was thinking. But when I did listen to it, you know, Babies in Black made that positive impression. And it's because of the harmony and the very pleasant melody. And and it really appealed in terms of what I was after from I suppose my pop music at the time. Um and I think also there's something in although we sort of semi-joking about the you know the the maudlin woe is me type lyrics but there's actually something reasonably clever like about the um the use of colors the whole babies in black and i'm feeling blue you know where you're you're using uh words you know similar words but in in different ways there is a rhetorical device uh, that's very very clever that um um and i think it begins with a z that i've completely forgotten that I may look up when you start talking. So if I suddenly go off camera, JG, I've dived over to the Concise English Dictionary uh, to see if I can look that one up. And, and I think that's why it really appealed to me uh, when I started listening to it. But, you know, looking down at the, the track listing, you sort of see this is the third song and it's the third Lennon McCartney song. And after this, the majority of songs are, are covers. And I think that was another reason why I, I didn't go for it quite early on because all of the music that I listened to in in the 80s really was with you know were originals bands were writing their own material and it felt like it was a bit of a cheat when some of the bands weren't doing that so I think I looked at Beatles for Sale in the same way and thought well this feels a bit like a substandard product however Babies in Black is one of the better songs on what I thought of at the time as a substandard product and it's precisely because of its its lightness um you know it's got that touch and apparently um i did read somewhere it may have been beatles bible hello beatles bible they were talking about the fact that lennon mccartney sang their parts simultaneously into the same microphone to give that harmony a sense of closeness and and i think it really works they do feel you know incredibly united in this passion for this baby in black 
Absolutely. And those harmonies are really something special. They're, they're obviously the standout feature in the song other than the time signature. And it's amazing just how well delivered they are. I mean, you know, we often have talked in the podcast about, you know, as indeed has everybody when it comes to the Beatles, of course, but, uh, you know, the Everly <laughs> Brothers and, and those kind of harmonies. But when you see that influence, because this doesn't sound like an Everly Brothers song at all, um, but when you see that influence sort of filtered through a different style, it also helps to show just how effortlessly they've managed to master that form. It, it really is an amazing vocal performance. And that is it, it's what makes the song work. It's one of the things that makes it so incredibly memorable. And you can just hear in both voices how much they are enjoying doing the song. And the whole song itself does have a bit of a stylistic um, clash in it because the, 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 the time signature suggests waltzes, uh, but there's a lot of, uh, a lot, there's not, not a lot of chords in it, there's only eight. Um, but we have, a, we have an E7th and we have a B7th. Those are blues chords. Uh, or, you know, they, that's kind of where they wouldn't, or the style they would normally be associated with. You wouldn't normally have like a, a B seventh in a in a waltz song. So there's a there's a bit of a tension which is being driven there as well, which helps to add to the song's character too. It makes it just stand out that wee bit more than if it was a a, a straight waltz like um, oh I don't know your mother should know or something like that. You know that it doesn't quite have the same the same. Uh, the same extra little jolt that this has. It's it's a, a lovely way of putting a song together. Didn't Lennon say in um um the the get back sessions um about I me mine said we don't do waltzes. Well, yeah, a but, waltz, we don't do waltzes. Or yeah. Was that just the heroine talking? Uh, well, I, I think he's just full of shit. I don't think I don't think we need to. Yeah. I don't think we need to resort to drugs in order to justify that. He would say whatever yeah. comes into his head at the time, and that's what it was. Not Mister Consistency, is he? No, um, but, no okay. Not so, so I, I will I will offer him some uh, some backhanded uh, praise here because the the temptation with when talking about the harmony is to praise McCartney's top line. Because McCartney does a lot of hard work, or rather, he does the showy bits. You know, he really hits that mm. that that sort of alternative melody, um, and and it absolutely zings. However, it still needs Lennon to do the the donkey work, if you like. And without Lennon doing that, all you've got is McCartney kind of warbling something strange over the top. You can't have that harmonisation without both parts really pulling their weight and they do it's fantastic yeah i know be nice about mr lennon moments after slander yeah i know uh it it, but i i mean i i agree with everything you said there i think it's a phenomenal performance from lennon it's it's one of his one of his uh can i say it's one of his best vocal performances i guess so it's it's not i don't like you said it, it mccartney tends to pull focus on that line but but um but he's just doing such good work, Lennon, and and it, it does deserve to be singled out. And I think everybody is doing really good work in this as well. Ringo does such a great job of being able to capture the feel of the song as well, which isn't, you know, it, 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 there, now everyone knows I love Ringo. There will be times where I criticise him in this album, but uh, this is not one of them. I, I really like his work here. It's, it's 
Um, it's kind of nicely understated. It's got no. I'm not doing bingo. Don't you look at me like that. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm studiously avoiding my cliches here. Uh, yeah, <laughs> a, a tremendous podcast gag that one. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I just think he does. He does absolutely sterling work here. And and again, it's it's not really flashy or showy. It's just doing precisely what the song needs, and and that's great. It's it's just lovely. I agree. <laughs> Do you know, it, okay, I'm so, so it's, relieved it's, to hear that. I know it, it, it's it's fine. I, I was just sort of thinking that um, that hey, obviously it doesn't matter what we think of it, but um, it obviously mattered what they thought of it. Um, I saw that um, you know McCartney said it's not so much a work job. Um, there was a bit more cred about this one. It's got a good middle. Well, and much of my response is, well, the middle was that's 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 your melody, that middle, isn't it? Um, what you remember is 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 your good bit there. But they did like it. It's another one that that's big in in the live act, isn't it? Sixty five and sixty six. Um, so it's clearly another one that was fun to perform. Yeah, I can well imagine it is. And trying to um, trying to nail those harmonies live couldn't have been the easiest thing in the world either. One thing I will say about this song also is that. We talked about this a fair bit on uh, both Please Please Me and, and with the Beatles and that way that a lot of the early song selections were specifically designed to appeal to different kinds of audiences. So they would have a waltz, they'd have a rocker, they would have a ballad, they would have whatever because they were going around dance halls and, and it wasn't necessarily their audience they were playing with, but they would have something in the set for everything. That's something that really fell away with A Hard Day's Night because most of that is just, it's, I mean, obviously it's all Lennon McCartney, but it's its very specifically Beatles material. So it's songs which are tailored for a Beatles audience. One of the reasons that I think uh, Beatles for Sale feels like a bit of a, a slight throwback after uh, Hard Day's Night is because we suddenly start to get that coming back in. And Babies in Black is a good example of that. Um, I'm a loser and... Uh, no reply both sound like what is going to go on to be a kind of one of Lennon's dominant styles but this kind of song doesn't really have an equivalent going forward that's not to say that there won't be other waltzes that get done there will but that that but this feels more of a piece of the kind of waltzes that they would have played on those first couple of albums or when they were touring around sort of 63 maybe 62 as well and and that kind of makes it interesting i think it's interesting to see that kind of thing materialize here especially because so much of this album is cover versions so much of this album is is just scratching about for anything to just fill up an album so they can get the damn thing out already and and I kind of like Babies in Black for that as well. That 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 slightly kind of throwback sort of early '63 feel to it, and and again, I just feel it in enlivens the album by adding that kind of little extra element. There's something on this album for everyone, and that audience that would be uh, entertained by this kind of waltz is part of what they're appealing to. And it, it, Candlestick Park, it was sandwiched between Day Tripper and I Feel Fine. Oh, that tells and you something. And you can sort of see that, that you know, there, there's there's a definite sense of, okay, and here's one for this section. Yeah. Here. Yeah. They've got plenty of rockers in there. They've got some singles in there. Oh, and look, here's Babies in Black. You know, it's it's quite interesting how they, they, they sort of feel that in, you know, after Babies in Black, I Feel Fine, and then 
yesterday and then I want to be your man. So you can see the the rhythm, if you like, the mm. waves that are going through the live act uh, at this point. Um, and it, it, it kind of fits. Um, it, it fits pretty neatly in there. It's, it's, you know, there are a fair few songs in there that don't need the harmonies. But bear in mind, they're not playing, you know, She Loves You or, you know, Love Me Do or, you know, any of the, the biggish earlier singles. Yeah, I, I want to hold your hands not in there as well. I suppose having something that does have that characteristic harmony is is a useful thing for them to have. Well, absolutely. And given that that was so much of the early appeal, it, it makes sense that it's something that would stay in the set, even if it isn't one which is being delivered by, yeah, like you say, those kind of classic early singles. Uh, I think another thing that is is really pleasing about this song, and again, this isn't exactly an original observation, but it's really short. And I kind of like that about it. <laughs> I really like that about it. I think this would be a song that it would be really easy to uh, overextend. Uh, and it's not. It's almost exactly two minutes long. Two minutes and two seconds, if uh, if the right honourable Mr. Wikipedia is, is to be believed. And I kind of like that about it. It doesn't... It doesn't feel the need to go for, you know, a couple of instrumental breaks that the song doesn't need in order to drag out its length. It doesn't It doesn't have anything in it which is in any way superfluous. It's just a really tight, well-constructed two minutes of music. And that's, I keep using the word lovely during this podcast, but I'm going to use it again. That's kind of lovely. My The very first note under my subheading, Babies in Black, says, it's only two minutes. There you go. So, uh, yeah, um, um, great minds think alike. And I'm not talking about you and me. I'm talking about you and Paul and or George. Okay, uh, well, clearly. I'm um, in esteemed company. So the um, the baby's in black. She's in, uh, by the way, you know, well done Beatles for using an apostrophe. Appreciate that. Thank you very much. Is she a widow? Or is she just in mourning because this person has gone? And if she's a widow... Isn't it a bit insensitive that he's, they're kind of lusting after her a little bit? Well, I know, like, 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 like we mentioned, um, like we've mentioned a few times, actually, on the podcast, uh, you know, John Lennon is certainly known for his uh, discretion and tact and, uh, you know, everything, everything is always very, uh, very subtle and, and, and there's nothing uh, crass or unfortunate about him whatsoever. So I'm sure this is just one unfortunate lapse that won't be repeated <laughs> at any point in the future, particularly not, say, for example, on any final songs of an album, just to arbitrarily yeah. take a position. Fair enough. Okay, I'm sure no one knows what you're talking about there. Mm. Um, oh, how long will it take till she sees the mistake she has made? Now, first things first, I love the fact that the rhyme comes in the middle of, of that second line there. Mm. I think that that's, that's, really, that's really good and it's pushing it a bit. However... What mistake is it that she's made? This, this is that theme again, isn't it? That that anyone who loves someone other than me is automatically stupid. Maybe she murdered him. Ooh, and that's the mistake she made. Maybe, maybe that was the big thing. So, if you think that this is a widow and the widow is grieving, then maybe the widow is actually responsible for the death that she's grieving it was a mistake she, she she did it in the in the moment in the heat of passion uh but now she realizes that, that this mistake has been made so yeah maybe she's a murderer so the blue is because she dumped him into some sort of cryogenic uh, cryogenic freezing 
uh, compartment and, and he's now sort of stuck there like Han Solo. Yeah, exactly. Encased in carbonite. That's, that's yeah. precisely what it is. I think I think that really is the narrative of the song. Yeah, 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 exactly. I think so. I think so. I'm glad that we've we've unpicked that, that Lennon and McCartney um, were um, should be claiming compensation back from from uh, Mr. Lucas. Yeah, well, I mean, this is, once again, I feel the kind of content that people come to Beatles Stuffology for. It's the kind of analysis that you just don't get anywhere else. Content. Mm, yes, the C content. word. Yeah. I don't know about you, but it kind of feels like we're, we're uh, running out of steam on this. And actually, that's, that's not, it's not a bad thing because we have had some, some very long episodes recently. So, um, you know, this one being a little bit punchier, the last one was a little bit punchier as well. That's no bad thing. So, um, yeah. Fine, fun song. It's great. Yeah, revisit it, dear listener, um, if you haven't already, and and you know, use it in in your own uh, track listing for Beatles for Sale. Once you've weeded out the bits that you don't like and narrowed it down to a, a punchy four or five songs. I'm sure all our listeners do their homework prior to coming to these episodes and spend a lot of time thoroughly uh, listening to the song prior to uh, listening to our trenchant observations and and insightful as you say, content. Uh, yeah, what do you want to give this one? You won't be surprised to know that it's going to be another six. <laughs> I'm, I'm staggered. I, I'm, I'm going to give this one a seven again. I I, 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 I like Babies in Black a lot. Uh, okay, good. Right, nice, punchy, short episode. You can really get a hold of us. You can contact us by email. We are beetlestuffology at gmail.com. We're on Twitter, x, whatever, at Beatles underscore ology and we are Beatles Stuffology on Instagram. You can find my blog at www.jgmacquarie.scot and you can read Andrew's writing at www.stuffology.co.uk. Don't forget Instagram this time. I said Instagram. I didn't forget. Did you? Yeah. Oh, sorry. In which case, I wasn't listening. Okay, that's possible. You can tell that I remembered Instagram from the bit where I said we are Beatles Stuffology on Instagram. That that's the giveaway. But anyway, okay, I'm gonna hold it against yeah, you. Yeah, I, I, okay. really I really wasn't listening, for which I can only apologise. Uh, I'll forgive you. I don't listen to me either. Um, anyway, <laughs> please. But speaking of listening, as if a perfect segue has somehow materialised, please also listen to my other podcast, Talking Trek to You, where a noob and an expert uh, go through the original Star Trek epi- series episode by episode. Please like, rate, and review us on whatever podcatcher you are using so that more people find the show. Next episode, we will carry on through the album as is our want, and we shall be ramming into the first cover version. So we will be talking about rock and roll music. And as always, we hope you're going to join us for it. But until then, keep listening.